We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. I love singing and worshipping with you all. <laughs> I've really missed it. So thanks. <laughs> right, I need to switch into gear. Right, sip of water. Uh, last time I held a, held a mic was last week and somebody thought I was drunk. They, they didn't really know who I was. So they didn't quite get me. So I can assure you, I am fully sober and all good. So... <laughs> Right then, gang, we are, well, get your Bibles out if you got it, because you'll need that. I'm letting, yeah, get your Bibles out, ready to go, and we'll be in there for the whole time, so have it open. Um, cool. Um, well, this, this summer, really, there's, there's sort of been a theme that sort of hasn't been a theme for the whole summer, but that... There's basically a verse that we sort of just wanted to anchor it all in and hang the whole summer on, which you might have seen, might not have seen going around, but it's Hebrews 12, verse 2, which is, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's Hebrews 12, verse 2. So that's what we want to do this summer. That's what OH1 Summer is sort of all about. And a few weeks ago, an email went out that you might have seen and sort of outlining a bit of the vision as well for this summer. And it said, Jesus is our focus. It's nothing new or clever. It's following in the footsteps of the early church. It's a commitment to obedience and a prayer of your kingdom come. And uh, I mean, Rachel alluded to it to begin with, but I, lo- I love this journey of discipleship and I love looking around this room and knowing that there's faces not in this room as well, that there are just people committed to following and walking the path of discipleship in the most normal and ordinary way, but with the most just crazy, amazing God. And um, gosh, that's kept me going um, for quite a while. And I'm sure it's something that'll keep me going for years to come for the rest of my lives. So um, I just want to say thank you for, for you all running the race and a bit of an encouragement to all of us of like, have that perseverance. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Just as that song that we were singing of, oh, we love you, Jesus. And that being everything that we do from there. Gosh, I'm rambling already. So, um, today we're actually going to be looking at Hebrews um, chapter, ver- chapter 5, verse 2. So that's where you need to be for the next 10 minutes. Um, start of chapter 5. Um, open that up. Um, so chapter 5, verse 2, it says, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness. That's sort of going to be the verse for the day, but um, we'll, we'll be jumping around a little bit. 
I'll jump, jump to the Passion Translation. I really like the Passion Translation of this verse, which says, Since the high priest is also one who is clothed in weakness, he humbles himself to show compassion to those who are ignorant of God's ways and stray from them. Now this, um, this verse, if you've got your, your book Bible, you'll see that it's in verse 2, but it's, it's one of those verses that sort of get caught out of how the Bible's written with the, with the numbers of the chapters and the verses, so, which can sort of just isolate things. So we need to look at this in a bit of the bigger picture of what's going on in the paragraph before and after. So we're actually going to be in um, Hebrews 4, 14 to Hebrews 5, 6. So that's going to be the chunk that we're in today. Um, and that's where we're going to be. And I'm just going to unpack it, basically, and let the scripture do the heavy lifting. Again, it's not anything clever, to be honest. Um, I, I really want us just to read scripture together and see what God might want to say to us and to say to you. Um, so let's read it together. Starting at uh, verse 14 in chapter 4. So, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and who are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Jesus, sorry, in the same way Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming the high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we are going to go through this passage pretty much verse for verse. Um, starting at that verse 14. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, right from this get-go of this little like paragraph that we see here, right at the get-go of this, the writer's point is he's simply bigging up Jesus. And they're saying, this is Jesus. He's the Son of God. Stay, and they're saying, hold firm to your faith. Stay strong. Keep going. Cling to that truth. Remember when he... Um, what am I saying? Hold firm to your faith. Stay strong. Keep going. Cling on to the truth. 
hold firm, stand firm. We did that uh, series a few years ago of stand firm, didn't we, with the armor of God. It's that same message of like, we stand firm. But why? Why do we stand firm? Why do we all that do that? Well, he says, because we have a great high priest. Not one that is, not just that really, but one who has ascended into heaven because he defeated death, because we have Jesus, son of God. He is properly bigging Jesus up. And the writer is saying, everything I've just said, so in the therefore, everything I've just said in Hebrew so far, and everything I'm gonna say, remember this, that it's because of Jesus, and because of who he is, and because he is the son of God. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I'm not going to go too much into detail because Becky did a whole talk on this like a few weeks ago. So go back and listen to that. She'll unpack that that way better than I'll do here. For today, I'm just going to simply say, whatever is happening right now for you, Jesus is able to sympathize with you. Whatever is happening, Jesus knows. He knows. He knows the situation, the good and the bad. He knows where you're at. He is able. He has the capability of being able to sympathize with us. He's super relational, isn't he, Jesus? Oh, it's beautiful. Verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Again, I jumped to the Passion Translation to see what um, that version said, and it's, it's lovely. So the Passion Translation said, So now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weaknesses. So we are invited. This verse is saying we are invited. We have access to God's throne. Like when you sort of think about that, It sounds like nice Bible language, a nice sort of God's throne. We sing about it, we read about it. But like when we think about thrones and like kings and queens, I don't know about you, but I've I've never seen the queen's throne. I've I've never been in that room. Um, I thought of like the royal box at Wimbledon, you know, that's a pretty special place to be, but never been. Um, VIP access behind stage somewhere, you know? They're not usually places for the ordinary people. You usually have to pay an arm and a leg or you have to be a certain person to be there. But this is different. This is God's throne. And we're not just invited. We don't just have, like, have a ticket to come and look around. But we, and we don't just have access either. But there's something that happens at that throne. We're not just sort of like bit awkward and don't know what to do in this throne with this throne but we're allowed we are allowed to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need 
It's really intimate. It's a place we're allowed to be comfortable and have confidence and be bold in, it says. It's a place we can come back to on a regular basis because we regularly need help. We regularly, in times of weaknesses, just as the scriptures say, when we're in weakness, we get to go to the throne of Jesus. That's a lot of the time for me. Chapter 5, we're in chapter 5 now. Verse 1, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, the writer of Hebrews has just given us a bit of a breakdown of how like priests worked for the Israelites back in the day. And it's, it's really nice, and he alludes to it, it's really nice to read this through like a Jesus lens. So as we read that again, I mean, I love the writer of Hebrews. It's, he's very good, or she's very good, unknown, of course. Um, so, high priest is selected. Jesus is selected from among the people. He's appointed. Jesus is appointed to represent the people. In what? In matters related to God. Oh, that's brilliant. So Jesus is selected. He's appointed to represent the people of God. So that's us, me and you now. It's super poetic. But how true is that Jesus is exactly that and he fulfills it? The role of high priest, not just the Israelites like the priests of Aaron, but the high priest of humankind. I don't really know what the fullness of that means, but it sounds good, and it is good. Um, well, and then the rest of the verse says about offering gifts and sacrifices for our sins. Jesus giving us gifts. He plays that role of high priest by giving us gifts. Rach mentioned about the fruits of the Spirit. There's loads of stuff that God gives us, doesn't he? that Jesus gives us. And the sacrifice for sins, gosh, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, for my sins, for your sins. Jesus is high priest. Verse 2, the one for our day, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weaknesses. He deals gently with us. Gentle. Jesus is gentle when we are ignorant and when we go astray, when we're wayward, when we miss the mark, when we fall short, when we screw things up, when we sin, when we lie, when we think badly of others, when we're unkind to others. Whatever it is, Jesus is gentle. Jesus is able to deal with us gently And it's interesting, I find it so interesting that the victory, the sort of sacrifice that I just mentioned of Jesus happened in the most like brutal way on the cross. Nothing about that was gentle. Nothing about the way that he was treated was gentle. But Jesus, he experienced the brutality of death. God the Father, he experienced the brutality of losing his son. So to allow us to experience gentleness in the form of grace and mercy is through that sacrifice. 
It's, it's gentle in a scene that should not be. And it got me thinking this verse of the other incidences of like God's gentle nature in the Bible and um, one in one Kings and one in one Corinthians. So the one Kings, that's in chapter 19, verse 12. It's the story of Elijah, if you know it. And he's at a cave and he's wanting God to speak to him um, because he's in a right pickle. So he's waiting for the Lord because God's saying, I will, I'll meet you, I'll be with you. So he's waiting. So a wind came, nothing happened. An earthquake came, nothing. A fire, nothing. But then in verse 12, then a gentle whisper came. And it was in that gentle whisper that Elijah heard God. It was all kicking off with the wind, the earthquakes and the fire, but it was in the gentleness of a whisper that God met him and spoke to him. The other verse in um, 1 Corinthians, this time chapter 4, verse 21, Paul's writing, What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come to you in love and with a gentle spirit? With a gentle spirit... God is totally able to deal with us gently. And it's not half-baked. Just because he does things gently doesn't mean it's not doing things properly. And it's the, one of the best ways that God relates to us is through his gentleness. The gentle might not be the obvious thing or even the quickest thing, but it works and it goes really deep and it works really well. Um, verse 6 I think I might have jumped I might have skipped some but I'm jumping to 6 you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek this is taken from a psalm this is when it says um, when God says to him and he said in another place you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek so what's all this about then? And they are, This is fantastic. So basically, if you don't know Melchizedek, I'll tell you very quickly. Long story short, Melchizedek, he was the king of Salem. Salem sounds familiar because it was Jerusalem before it was Jerusalem. So Salem. Um, and we read in Genesis 14, that's where he appears, He's described, there's literally just a few lines on Melchizedek, but there's, uh, these are the verses that's, that it says. Um, that he was a priest of God most high. Going back to the priest. He was a priest of God most high. And he greeted Abraham with a blessing. And check this out. He brought out bread and wine. Just in the, like, in the middle of Genesis, in the middle of the Old Testament, there's this random guy called Melchizedek who's just described as a high priest and he comes out, greets Abraham and blesses him with bread and wine. I.e., Melchizedek, the priest king, comes bearing blessings and abundance of Jerusalem with bread and wine and he takes communion with Abraham. Which sounds a little bit like familiar in terms of Jesus, a priest king, 
comes bearing the blessings and abundance of Jerusalem, and then with bread and wine, and he takes communion. So Melchizedek, interestingly, he was the first person to bless Abraham. Blessings were a big deal in the Old Testament. But Melchizedek was the first person who blessed Abraham. And this acts as a signal to the readers of the day to like basically keep your eyes peeled. There's only a few like sentences of Melchizedek, so keep your eyes peeled. This is like an unfinished story of this priest king from Jerusalem. So that's when our eyes are peeled, when Jesus comes. And the writer of Hebrews, again, just geniusly gives that little signal of like, do you remember that Melchizedek guy? Saying it like, sort of represents, it's sort of like running parallel, but also more like fulfillment. Anyway, so Jesus is the priest king. He is the priest king. And he comes bearing those blessings, abundance, not just from Jerusalem as well, but from heaven. We talk about heaven coming down on earth, but that is the, the role of Jesus as priest king. And today he blesses us. Just, just like Melchizedek blessed Abraham, Jesus today blesses us. And I um, just want to end, really, and respond by joining in with that ancient ritual that Melchizedek started by taking communion with the bread and wine, just like Jesus taught us to do as well. And as we take part in this ritual, this ancient practice, um, I want us to dwell on that verse, that verse 2. The one that says, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness. Now, I, ch- I chose this passage to speak on today because I-, I wanted space, I wanted us to have an opportunity to allow Jesus to deal with us gently just like God did with Elijah at the cave, to give us that opportunity and space to hear a gentle whisper. This passage talks of ignorance and waywardness, and I thought it would be good for us to dwell on that and think about that for a second. Um, Banji can probably come up now, actually. We'll, we'll have a bit of time for a response, actually. So as we do that, I just thought it might be helpful to close eyes, um, put your hand on your heart, open up your hands, whatever you want to do to sort of just enter a place of prayer, really, and connect with God. And just think about Jesus allowing himself to deal gently with you in the ways of ignorance and waywardness. And it might not be the language that we use or even put to it, but it's good to be obedient to scripture. So is there some ignorance in us right now? Maybe that like, looks like pride that we need to lay down. Maybe there's a bit of a sense of thinking I know best or even, I don't know, maybe like judgment of others, judgment of those who are different. 
Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just invite you now in that gentleness. Would you reveal in our hearts those things of ignorance and waywardness? Things in our heart that you want to deal with us gently. 